0: From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Brian Walsh, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, October 1st. Today, I'm joined by John Cochran from the U.S. Impact Investing Alliance to sort out at least some of the policy developments in Washington this week and their implications for impact investors. Hi, John, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be here. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in Impact Investing. Climate experts say that we have to cut emissions in half each decade. That means reductions of at least 7% each year. They're calling it the carbon law. And now investors are pushing companies to follow this carbon law. Institutional investors with $30 trillion in assets are pushing companies like Boeing, FedEx, and Duke Energy to set what are called science-based targets for their carbon emissions. Companies with such targets have been cutting emissions more than 6% each year, which is almost enough to keep the goals of the Paris Climate Agreement within reach. Confio and Endela became emerging market impact unicorns. SoftBank's huge vision fund invested in both companies. Mexico-based Confio specializes in quick approval of small business loans with alternative credit scoring. Endela works in Africa to connect skilled tech workers to jobs all over the world. Also working in Africa, Zola Electric raised $90 million for off-grid energy access. Zola, which was previously named off-grid electric, now serves 1.5 million people with low-cost renewable power. Zola's systems integrate solar, batteries, and even existing diesel systems with the often unreliable grid electricity. On the industrial side, the ARA Partners Fund secured $1.1 billion to decarbonize heavy industries like manufacturing, chemicals, and materials, and to promote energy efficiency and green fuels. In impact industry news, Caprock Group, the multifamily investment advisor, got a big outside investor in the private equity firm TA Associates, which cited Caprock's impact investing as a major attraction. Caprock will continue to operate as an independent company. And finally, Impact Alpha welcomes two new media outlets to the impact beat, Cypher from Breakthrough Energy will cover climate innovation and policy. And Impact Entrepreneur will be a magazine focused on the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Now it's time for our featured conversation. Now, John, with all the action in Washington, especially this week, a policy wonk like you must be having a field day. What is the latest? Thanks, Brian. Yeah, this
1: is definitely uh, the kind of situation that a lot of us uh, get excited about because there's a lot of policy being made in uh, rapid succession. Um, So there's really four things that are moving right now. The first is the need to fund the government and prevent a government shutdown. And fortunately, it seems like that is going to be taken care of through at least December of this year uh, with a continuing resolution that will keep the lights on at our federal agencies and national parks and the like. The second is that we're approaching the federal debt limit again, uh, which as we've seen in recent years, uh, brings with it a threat of default if Congress isn't able to raise that limit. Uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen has told us that the government is able to fund itself through October 18th, uh, but if the debt limit is not either lifted or waived by then, then there is the risk that uh, the the U.S. federal treasury would not be able to uh, pay its bond obligations,
0: and that would be the the first the first in in our country's history, uh, if the, if that were to happen, right? That would
1: be that we got para- perilously close uh, a couple years back, and it uh, did not go well for financial markets. They kind of panicked as the deadline loomed, and actually, you know, see some estimates that it cost us three-tenths of a percentage point of GDP growth that year um, because of uh, the the raise in interest rates so the debt limit obviously something that uh, needs to be taken care of Um, but at the same time what really makes this interesting is we have these two infrastructure packages moving through congress Uh, You have the so-called bipartisan infrastructure framework, which passed the Senate over the summer with uh, 10 Republican votes in support to get past the filibuster. And this is your planes, trains, and automobiles kind of infrastructure. Um, So hard infrastructure, physical building um, that does carry with it Republican support. Then you have what's being called the Build Back Better uh, bill, which is being passed under budget reconciliation. Complicated process, but the short of it is that that means Democrats are able to go it alone. Um, and here's where you see much more of the expansive vision of the Biden-Harris administration uh, uh, being put forward. So things like investing in the care economy uh, for both uh, uh, children, things uh, like universal pre-K, and also making sure that we have uh, uh, the chance to fill some of the nursing shortages and long-term care. And like. You also see uh, some of the economic development packages that are going to be really interesting for impact investors, some new approaches to how uh, different federal agencies are able to draw in private investment to build stronger, healthier communities. Um, And of course, all of this is being paid for. So while the uh, bipartisan framework will uh, cost the deficit about uh, half a trillion dollars, the reconciliation bill to build back better bills intended to be paid for and so it's going to be offset primarily through tax increases and efforts to roll back some of the republican tax cuts from 2017.
0: And, and so, so we have the the as you as you mentioned, you know the the debt limit is one thing, and the stopgap keeping the lights on is another. Uh, but the, this the first infrastructure bill, the the bipartisan infrastructure bill, that's as you said the classic infrastructure. The uh, but the, the this larger build back builder bill that they're hoping to pass through reconciliation it not only focuses on the care economy, but I, I believe there's also a, a number of climate. Uh, mitigation efforts in there. And can you speak to some of the ways that the Build Back Better bill is designed to really address climate change?
1: Yeah, so climate change obviously has been one of the top priorities of the Biden administration. And it is true that a lot of their hopes for getting statutory change rests on being able to include some of their proposals in this reconciliation bill. So that includes a a wide range of things. There's uh, tax credits for wind and solar. There are efforts to start to introduce carbon pricing through different means. There is a proposal to create a new federal green bank for the first time that we're really excited about. That would be $27 billion dollars. Uh, and have a chance to coordinate with some of the existing state and local uh, green bank efforts. So all told, you know, it's not uh, a green new deal package, but it does include a lot that would push towards investing in uh, climate innovation, climate mitigation, uh, and, and resilient communities. And this is where a lot of the controversy is coming up
0: so what are the implications uh for impact investors and impact entrepreneurs what what do these bills mean for them
1: i think what we're most excited about is some of these new programs that have the chance to spur cooperation between the federal government and the private sector and that we have some initiatives being proposed that would try to draw in private capital to invest in some of these solutions, be it to climate, be it to confront an economic crisis. They offer some interesting tools that I think will incentivize what we would call impact investing. And so I mentioned the proposed Federal Green Bank, the Climate Accelerator, as one example of that. Uh, But we also see uh, a proposed community revitalization fund at the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Uh, That's interesting because it would allow that agency to go beyond traditional housing finance, but also to think about how they can support uh, investments in all the things that go around housing development uh, that make for healthy and livable communities, things that impact in investors have, have long had an interest in uh, investing in. There's a, a pilot program to explore new ways to finance employee stock ownership plans. So there's a lot that could end up coming through this reconciliation bill, but it's a little bit difficult because we're aiming at a moving target. Um, So the negotiations are changing minute-to-minute, day-to-day as uh, we sort of hone in on the ultimate size of a reconciliation bill uh, and exactly what uh, uh, sort of trade-offs will be made to, to get it across the finish line.
0: Can you talk a little bit about the work that your organization, the U.S. Impact Investing Alliance, is doing to try to amplify the voices of impact investors and impact entrepreneurs?
1: But I think what we saw after the election last November was the real uh, uh, sort of swelling energy um, from folks in our space. We saw the opportunity um, to to push forward some really expansive change and and some uh, expansive visions for what could be done. And so noting that and noting the interest from our field to be engaged, we started working with our partners at B-Lab Uh, to craft what we're calling a a proposal for a White House initiative on inclusive economic growth. And our thinking was there really needed to be because these issues do span the entirety of the federal government. There needed to be a node that private sector advocates could go to, to raise these issues and to talk about how there could be a whole of government approach to promote inclusive economic growth. And so we proposed situating this initiative um, at the White House, at the National Economic Council, sort of at the heart of economic policy making um, as a way to, again, bring together the disparate federal agencies that are looking on these issues um, and to engage with the private sector. And, and as we worked on this proposal and, and worked with our, our, our partners and our stakeholders, we ended up developing a coalition of now more than 50 other organizations that have signed on to this proposal and said, yes, we we want to engage the administration in this work um, and we would like to see this initiative put forward Um, and i would encourage folks uh, if they'd like to to learn more about that they can go to our website imp alliance.org inclusive growth and and you can see read more about the proposal learn more about how you can get involved and and i think that's one great way uh, that we'd encourage folks to, to. about how they can
0: their voice. That's great. Thanks so much for joining us today, John Cochran from the US Impact Investing Alliance. It's
1: so much, nice Brian. Great to be
0: here. Well, that's going to do it for your Impact Briefing this week. More all day, every day at ImpactAlpha.com. Subscribe to get full access to the site and the daily brief newsletter. Podcast listeners get $100 off their first year subscription. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use the code briefing 100. Thank you for listening. And thanks, as always, to our spectacular producer, Isaac Silk. I'm Brian Walsh, head of sustainability for the capital markets firm TPICAP. Until next time, take good care.